This morning, we're going to do things just a little different here. We figured it's on Mother's Day, and so um, we would uh, shift things around a little bit and get to sit down and relax a little bit. Okay, you're getting to sit, so I figure we should get to sit uh, once a year. So we'll do that as well. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, we're just going to share this morning. I'm going to let Ashley do the bulk of the sharing. But, um, uh, but yeah, again, I'm just so thankful for her. Um, obviously, uh, she is an amazing mom. Uh, it's not discrediting any other moms, but just, hey, this is the one I get to see day in, day out. So I'm so thankful for her. Uh, she loves our kids really well and um, just grateful for her. So, babe, take it away. Hello. I love you guys. I'm so happy to be here, get to talk to you all today. And I also wanted to take a little moment to encourage and honor the moms. But I feel like on Mother's Day, Tyler, Tyler actually said earlier, and I think he might say it to me every, every year on Mother's Day. He's like, Ashley, this is, this is a happy day, you know, because <laughs> I think I like tend to focus on all of the places in our lives that this day might feel sad or hard, you know, and so I just wanted to like acknowledge that this morning and, and, um, what the way that I wanted to do that is by if if there if you're in this room and your heart feels sad today because maybe your mom isn't here anymore and you miss her or maybe your mom never was there for you like you hoped or wished that she would have been or maybe you have as a mother experienced loss and you're reminded of that like very poignantly on this day or maybe you are waiting to be a mother and that journey feels hard. And so all for all those reasons and maybe ones I didn't say, I just wanted to take a minute and remember that pain. And um, I also wanted the chance just to get someone to pray for you. And so you don't have to raise your hand. You can just be still in your chair. Or if you want someone to lay their hand on you and you want to say, I feel sad, you can go ahead and raise your hand if you feel sad. And somebody lay your hand on that person, and I'm just going to pray. And if you didn't raise your hand, but you feel sad, I'm praying for you too. So Jesus, I just thank you for your perfect life and your death and your resurrection. And that all that we have in a mother or a father on earth, that it just shows us you, that, that we were made in your image, and male and female, made in your image. And so we just acknowledge your strong enough and big enough and good enough to touch every place of pain or loss or longing or lack in this room. And I just honor my friends and my family here that feel sad today. And I pray that you would give them unexpected encouragement. You would give them the opportunity to grieve and cry if they need to or whatever it needs to look like for each one. I pray, I pray for them that you would be near Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And then I, one of the other encouragements that I had for all the women, men, y'all are not completely excluded from this, but I just got to spend a, like a 24-hour time period with eight, almost 80 women from this church over last weekend at a women's retreat. And I got to see just like the beauty of the women of this house. And one time I read this thing at like a shop in the bathroom and it said, everybody wants to change the world. Very few people are willing to change the toilet paper. And I was like, that is true, you know? But when I look at the people in this room, I just see tons of people willing to change the toilet paper. 
to change that toilet paper roll. And that is what greatness is made of. The, the type of people that actually end up changing the world are the ones that are willing to see, oh, that toilet paper roll needs to be changed in a public bathroom. And instead of waiting for the next person to do it or the shop owner to do it, they just grab that roll, unwrap the paper, put it on the thing. And those are the little things that mark our character. And I just see that, like, we are rich in that, that kind of, of maturity in this house. And so I just wanted to honor y'all and say I love you a lot. Okay. And then some of my favorite verses that I think about, when I just think about life and discipleship, discipling my kids, the way the Lord has discipled me, the first one that pops out almost always is Proverbs 24, verses 3 and 4. I think we might have it up there. But it says, By wisdom a house is built, and through understanding it is established. Through knowledge its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. And I think that one of the reasons why I love that verse so much is it reminds me that God isn't just, like we're not just saved in him in one moment and then he's done with us. He's like this wise master builder, you know, and he's like going about our lives right alongside with us and he is like building us and he's establishing us and he's filling us with rare and beautiful things. And I just want to say, um, I'm watching that happen in my own life. I'm seeing it with my kids. Like I'm seeing him build a little part of their character and it's like the, the frames are up, you know, and then they'll hit a hardship or that thing will be tested and they'll have to go and prove what's been built in them and then I'll see it get established, okay? And then they'll go on a little bit longer and I think most of my kids, I mean, my oldest is 12, so I'm just starting to, starting to see him get filled. <laughs> He's still getting established almost exclusively. Um, but I just love, I love to watch that in my own life and there will be things that I, I remember God building in me that really filled, now filled with rare and beautiful treasures that he isn't building them anymore. But there's like also brand new things that I feel like he's just starting to build inside of me, you know? And so I just love that. It makes me filled with wonder um, about his nature. And then also Isaiah 54. So I love to read this as a blessing and I just wanted to read it as a blessing over all of us today. Um, verse 10, it says, Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord, who has compassion on you. Afflicted city, lashed by storms and not comforted, I will rebuild your stones of turquoise and your foundations with lapis. I will make your battlements of rubies and your gates of sparkling jewels, all your walls of precious stones. All your children will be taught by the Lord, and great will be their peace. In righteousness, you will be established. Tyranny will be far from you. You will have nothing to fear. Terror will be remo far removed. It will not come near you. If anyone does attack you, it will not be my doing. Whoever attacks you will surrender to you. I just wanted to share that as a, as a promise and as a, as a blessing over us. And it also has all these references of him building us, you know, like the other verse did too. And I really, really like that. Okay. And then the last thing I wanted to share, Tyler mentioned his mom was here and I, I also see many intercessors in this house, but I wanted to acknowledge Miss Debbie Hardy as an intercessor. And we were talking about the, the, like, Tyler's dad, Rick, was sharing just about like how thankful he was for Tyler and his siblings and the grandkids and just the, the protection of God over our lives. And I, 
I said, I, I owe a lot of it, like not all of it, but a lot of it to, to Debbie Hardy's intercession over us. I know she prays. And so one of the, one of the proof of that, or one of the places of proof is these are little cards she made for when we just had Graham, Ethan, and Evelyn, so several years ago. And she wrote on here, Ethan, firm, enduring. That's what his name means. And then it, this is her prayers for Ethan. To love God with all your heart, mind, and soul to know God through reading and studying the Bible for yourself, to honor your parents, thank you for praying for them, <laughs> to make wise choices in your daily life, to seek out friends that will encourage you and make wise choices. I love you and look forward to see you grow up and be a man of God, Grandma. Isn't that so good? And so I have it in our, on our kitchen cupboard, so every time he opens the cupboard in the kitchen. He's got to see it. And then Evelyn wished for child. That's her name. And she has the same prayers written out for Evelyn. And then also for Graham Homestead is what his name means. And she has it for him too. And I just thought that was so sweet. Just the evidence of a praying woman and the power that it has in somebody's life. So, yep. Amen. Thank you, mom, for praying for us. Um, you know, and just as Ashley was sharing, you know, when you come to a day like Mother's Day um, or even Father's Day, right? They are celebratory days, and they and they should be. And they also bring up places of pain, um, just like any holiday, right? Thanksgiving is really fun, but then it's you think about the people who aren't there, or the relationships that may have been severed, or Christmas, right? But uh, so you know, these holidays always come a little mixed. But I think as we were talking, just preparing for today, we just thought, you know what? Let's, let's just acknowledge that life is challenging and life presents some difficulties and even some pain in our lives. And we just thought, okay, what can we do on Mother's Day to help equip us as a people? Um, because we really do want to equip the saints, right? You're the saints. We want to equip the saints for the work of service. So what is the work God has before you? It is to be salt and light. It is to reflect Jesus. It is to disciple people. It is to love. It is to serve. It is to, it is to bring the kingdom of God into everything that you do, into family, workplace, sports, everything else. So how can we do that this morning is we just felt like, you know, we need to encourage you guys that not only are we all going to have some pain and challenges, but then how do we get out of that, right? Like we can't snap our fingers and just have it fixed. There is not a pill you can take that can fix the pain, right? Even pills numb the pain, right? But, but you can't do that. So in God, in Christ, we are these whole beings with a soul and a heart, all that. Like, what do we do with that? And so Ashley's just going to kind of take us through a little bit of a journey in terms of, hey, what do we do with that? How do we process that so that even on a day like Mother's Day, we don't have to, not only do we not have to live with that the rest of our lives, we can deal with it. And this isn't a once a year thing. This is like a daily, like a weekly, hey, I need to, what's a simple way to go to Jesus to process things so that I'm not carrying it around and getting more weighted down by it, getting bitter by it. And honestly, so we're not passing on to our kids, right? We actually want to stop the passing on of our garbage into this generation. There, I never met anybody that's like, oh, I'd love to pass it on to Mike. It's like, no. Nobody wants to do that. If you have, you're in your right mind, you don't want to. So like none of us want to pass stuff on to our kids that we struggle with. We don't want that. We want the opposite. But we've got to know how to deal with it so that then we can find freedom in Christ and then we live free and whole. And then we can also train our children. Hey, this is what happens. When this happens, this is how you go through it. You don't have to carry that pain until you're 45 and finally talk to a counselor about it. 
Does it make sense? We have the ultimate counselor in Jesus Christ, right? He is there. The Holy Spirit is here to counsel, guide us, help us journey through that. So Ashley's just going to kind of take us through a little bit of the journey. Yeah, and so it's not just about like this major, deep, horrible pain in our lives. I think it's also just this tool that I'm going to walk us through. I talked about it a little bit at the women's retreat also. So if this feels like review, good, because reviews are good. Um, But also, it's just the little life disappointments that come up. So we have a few examples that will hopefully help you see. But you can put the slide up of the little... Uh, process that we can go through sometimes. Okay, so how pain emerges, you can like replace that word pain with like frustration, disappointment, wounding, loss, offense, all kinds of words could go there. Um, So we have values that are good things. Those create expectations. Those expectations will inevitably be unmet. Can someone say amen? Amen. That creates a loss or a debt. What is done can never be undone. Okay, so you can leave it there. So I'm going to tell you a story about one time that I went to the DMV. Okay, has anybody ever been to the DMV? Okay, so this was a time that I went and I had Ethan as a two-year-old and Graham as a newborn. Okay, so it was, you do one kid and you're like, okay, that was like crazy hard, you know? And then you do two and you're like, I've lost my mind, you know? And so Graham was like, is still in that stage where the cry is like, wah, wah, wah. you know, that cry, the, you'll know it if you, yeah, it's just the high pitched. And so I had to get my driver's license redone or something along those lines. I don't remember exactly why I had to go to the D, but I had to go. And it was like, take your number and like seven hours later, you'll be, it'll be your turn, you know? And I was just being the, the, the part of my little house that God was building was patience, you know, and, and self-control and probably just, yeah, mostly those, so patience and self-control, probably kindness. And so it was like the scaffolding was going up maybe, you know, but he had not established it or filled it quite yet, you know, and I was like being tested and stretched by these kids. And I remember going and waiting in line and having Graham and having Ethan and getting my number and then waiting in the car and then nursing in the car and then trying to take a nap in the car. It was just been forever, you know, and I finally got up to the front it was like my turn and I can't remember. I had, didn't have the right form and then I had to go back and wait longer and I had just, I had be, like about lost it, you know? And when I finally got there, I was like in tears and I said to the lady and I was like trying not to shout, but I was like, you know, freaking out on the inside and I was like, you know, you need to help the moms, like with the babies, like H-E-B. They have parking spaces for the moms. And it says it right there, for moms, you know? And the lady was just like staring at me, you know? I was like, there's nothing like that here. There's nothing like that here. You know, I was like in ultra meltdown mode, you know? And I think I like called Tyler and I was like, I need you to come home. Like I, I'm like, and so there was a time that I lost it. If I'm the only mom in the room that's ever lost it, then take comfort. Okay. And so, but I had an expectation that they would honor how hard my life felt. Okay. There we go. And I had, I have a value for, for things being done in a productive way. I'm like, this is just, this is just ridiculous. Like they should have a system by now that can put people through DMV faster. We're in 2022, you know? And so I was like, why is this taking so long? And so I have a value 
that is a good thing. So here we go. I have a value that's a good thing for things to be done in an efficient way. I do not like to waste time. That's a good thing. It's not a bad thing about me. But that it created an expectation that the DMV would be an efficient experience. And that expectation was unmet, okay? And so then that created a loss or a debt. I lost my time. I lost my mind. I lost all kinds of things in that moment. And then what was done could never be undone, okay? I'm never going to get that day back. The kids will always have that memory of me freaking out. Hopefully, they'll forget it. I think they probably, he was only two. And so that's an example in my life of how I went through this journey. And I think Tyler has one too. Great. Yeah. So mine's, mine's less traumatic, um, obviously, <laughs> but, um, but you know, so we're, we are newlyweds. So we're going to go back pre-kids. Okay. So we're newlyweds and we're still getting to know each other, right? It's our, I think it's our first year of marriage. And, um, and I think, or maybe second year marriage, some of them weren't. Anyways, so um, we're early on in our marriage and it is New Year's Eve, right? And so we'd gone out with some friends, whatever. We came back home I don't know, we're watching a movie or something like that, New Year's Eve, and all of a sudden, towards the end of the night, I, like, kind of freak out on Ashley. And I freak out because we had um, left the living room with pillows on the floor. So just pause a second. It's New Year's Eve. We have no kids, right? So we have less responsibilities at this point in our life, which means your attention to details, maybe a little hyper. And I, like, freak out. And so it ends up being this, Long, drawn-out conversation of that night continuing to the next morning where I finally unveiled to her, hey, I have a very, very high expectation for things being orderly and clean and put in place, right? Like, if we're going to do this, this is going to happen. And, and had whatever those were. And so our first year or two of marriage, I'm building up this, like, why is she not getting it? Like, where are the clue? I'm cluing her in. Like, this bothers me. This, you know, just... And it just finally blew up on New Year's Eve, right? So just, you know, you can kind of track through me with, okay, I have a desire for things to be organized and clean and all that kind of stuff, which is good. Maybe a little hyper, which is not good, okay? But those create expectations that people in my life, especially my wife, are going to have the exact same standard, right? So then if they don't have the same standard or don't have as high as a value for that in their life, you're going to get irked by it, right? So then that goes to the, uh, to the expectations unmet. Then we move on to that creates a loss or debt. So now I'm like losing trust for her or just irritated at her to where if I put her in charge of doing something, whatever it is, cleaning the kitchen or doing this. Put me in charge. You know, like I am, I'm honestly wondering, is she actually going to do a good job or do I have to go back later when she's not around and do it better, right? And so if you're like that, all of a sudden now you've, now, now trust has been lost, right? And now because of my hypersensitivity to it, um, that is there until we unpack it. Now, I'll just pause and say um, the redeeming side of this is that you can be like that until you have kids and then it just slowly bleeds out of your system. <laughs> because now it's like, you want to be like that? You're just going to walk behind your kids like all day long, yeah, it's picking like up and doing trying, that. And trying eventually to be like, like wow, this with is kids, It's like brushing your teeth while you're eating Oreos. It's just impossible. Like, it's just impossible. Okay, yeah, and I mean, I was always the tidiest roommate of all my roommates, just so I'm saying. So Tyler was a uh, next level when it came. And I was, it was like, 
the littlest things, but the thing was is that he had this really high expectation, but this was the first, it was our first New Year's Eve together, and the argument started because I had high expectations that it was going to be like a big moment at midnight, <laughs> and it wasn't. He was like falling asleep, and then I was frustrated with him, and then, then he got frustrated back and was like, well, what about the pillows, you know? And then I was like, I, what do you mean, what about the pillows, you know? And then he was like, and what about the way you load the dishwasher? And they had this long list of things that he had been like counting since we first got married. And I was like, why didn't you just tell me in the moment that you were mad at me, you know? And then, then it was just, a, it was a bona fide conflict right there. But it was good, I learned a lot. I was like, I didn't know it bothered you. I can pick up the pillows, I don't know. Okay. Okay, and so I want to go through these just a little bit more. Those are fun stories. So hopefully you can like be inserting your own life experiences into this process because when I first learned about it, I, I just know that like kind of like Tyler's saying, nobody wants to pass our pain or our bad habits onto our kids and nobody wants to walk around bitter or frustrated either. You know, I mean, nobody wants to do that. But then you find yourself, you're like, why am I freaking out right now? You know, and at the DMV. And so, but like, then you can go, okay. And even for yourself, like I have an ex, I have a healthy expectation right here. And I feel that I have a high value that creates this healthy expectation and that is not being met. And so even just being able to logically understand what's happening to you in that moment or what's happening to your kid, you know, like we have one, one of our five, he, she, he or she, um, really, really doesn't like it when the plans change and it can just like cause a tizzy quick, you know? And so, and, and, and it's something that, I mean, like you, life will bring unexpected changes of plans. So that person's going to have to figure out how to deal with it, but we're also not wanting to just like make them pivot so fast every time, like recognizing that's a particular hard thing for that person in our family. So like giving them the upper hand and like giving them a warning or talking it through and giving them some space to recover if their plans change. You know what I'm saying? Because they have a high expectation for keeping the plan, you know, or a high value for that. Okay, and so this is just a healthy, good way to walk things through and understand what's happening in your life. And so I um, wanna start, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna kind of go through it in a little bit more depth and give you guys the chance to think about your own. And so we're gonna start with values, okay? So what, what do you feel like when you're hearing these things that you value? You could value things like trust, honesty, openness, purity. So I want you to take a second and think. I realize that um, people have to think when others aren't talking. So we're going to be quiet for like 30 seconds. Think about what you value. Turn to your neighbor and tell them one of the things that you value. Turn to your neighbor. If you don't know him, tell him your name. And then one thing you value Okay, so raise your hand if you're, you or your person said that you valued purity as your thing. Okay, openness, punctuality. Oh, okay. Um, what is a couple that I didn't say? Shout it out real quick. Communication. Reliability. Reliability. What was the other one? Kindness. Okay, yeah, there's so many good, all of those are good things, okay? And so those create passions and um, 
expectations, like we can passionately expect someone to do something. And because those expectations, they're tied to what we value, like deep in our makeup, our expectations feel righteous and pure. And like, it should be that these things happen in our life. You should be reliable. You should be punctual. You should have good communication, you know? But what is the thing after the expectations? Those expectations will inevitably be unmet. You know, and so we laugh, like even if you're just a family of five trying to choose where to go to dinner, you know, you could have somebody in your family like really values meatballs and they have an expectation that you're going to go Italian and then those expectations are unmet, you know, and so it's just like helping break it down. So, so helpful. Okay, so um, when those expectations are unmet, so those expectations, you can easily see the values creating the expectations when those are unmet. That is your turning point. So that happens to everybody, but then you get to decide how you're going to respond to that. And so that's really the fork in the road there where you can choose to be frustrated and angry and bitter, or you can choose to forgive that person and, and understand that that's just like kind of part of, part of life, you know? And no, like we said before, nobody wants to be be bitter and frustrated at people. But I think especially when you're in a family or in a, in a church or in a workplace, like these places that we always reside, if we have strong values that create expectations that are consistently being unmet, that is typically that, that if you follow that pathway and how you're responding to that, in marriage or in, in these key relationships, if you're choosing to allow that to build mistrust and anger and division and, and a, a critical heart and all of those things, that will be what is built through that process. But if you choose to let God build and fill and establish you, you can take those unmet expectations and find him in those places. And it can be an opportunity instead of a, a, a place of division. And you can go, wow, I can see that like, like if someone comes to you if in our marriage, like in that argument about the pillows, I didn't do a good job of responding to Tyler because I was like angry that he didn't tell me that he was frustrated with me. It just turned into a full-blown argument. But if I had been able to see Tyler's frustrated with me right now because he has a big value that I'm not honoring, you know? And so I can look and see he's frustrated, but if I trace it back just two steps, man, he, he really wants me... To our house to be orderly and I can serve him better in that way and I can find a place to repent and understand and serve him better in that way and so just working to see the, the frustrated person's process and your own process will just build so much more unity you know and what happens if you follow the pathway of the angry person the person that loses trust or starts to put blanket statements over people well that person will never understand me well that person will never be who I need them to be that is what makes loss of relationship, loss of, of, of covenant, loss of all kinds of things, you know, because it is true those expectations are unmet, but I think it, there's, there is a road there of forgiveness. And what, what can happen is the people that most strongly feel their values can most typically be the ones that get the most upset when their expectations aren't met. And so if, if we allow it to lead us to this bitter place, then it's really letting this enemy be successful in kind of sidelining our most talented and passionate 
believers in, in, a, in a bitter critical place, you know? And then they don't, instead of being unified with their families or their church or their workplace, they're kind of on the sidelines, frustrated and critical for all their missed expectations, you know? And that, we don't want that, you know? And so I feel like us being able to see is so, so helpful, okay? Okay, and then it goes after those expectations being unmet that that creates a loss or a debt. And um, so this is the place where we find Jesus, you know, and that that whole understanding of um, what has been done can never be undone. And so in more serious, like, a, a, like abusive relationships or times where like what is be, the expectation of that person is just real. Like I expect for you to keep me safe and you're not a safe person, you know, and like really hard, hard situations. Um, it can like, you, there are times that you have to just like say, this is a boundary line and that, you know, you don't, it's not always that you have to just reinvite people into your life. You know, there are times that it's not a safe place. So I just want to say, say that, that there's a real reality in that. Um, but what can happen in, in marriages sometimes, especially is in the pillow example, Tyler frustrated, frustrated that I wasn't doing what he wanted me to do. Then he could, then there's a loss or a debt that that created in his life. Like he mentions even kind of trust, like, because I wasn't doing what he thought. And then he could, he was kind of holding me hostage or ransom. Like I have to somehow pay him back by cleaning the house good enough or by being on time enough or whatever it was that I was doing that was letting him down. And just being able to recognize that those unmet expectations create a loss that can never be repaid by that person. Like it, they just can't. It, they, they, the person can ask for forgiveness and they can learn and grow. But what is done can never be undone. And so that's where we really do have to find Jesus in those places. And there is that, like we always say, that's why he has so many names, you know, because we need him in so many different ways. He's our defender. He's our comforter. He's our healer. He's our refuge. He's our strong tower. He's all of these. He's our father and our friend. And so when we recognize this loss or debt and what it feels like, what it is in our life, it allows us to be able to find Christ in that place and recognizing what is done can never be undone. And so we're going to move into the last part, which is the next slide. And it just is like, okay, so we recognize the effects of pain. And so, um, and, and those can be vast. I mean, just vast. There's a million different ways that we respond to pain. And you can, if someone, you have this unmet expectation and you're frustrated, you can come and like curl up in a ball. You can kind of lash out and be angry. There's all different types of ways that we respond to our pain. But I think recognizing how whatever situation, big or small, has affected you and then going through this process. Okay, who do I need to forgive when I think about this? How can I repent? What did I, what did I do wrong? What can I repent for? And then has that, I mean, I say it where um, the, I have it written. I want to say it where I've written it. Um, yeah, so not allowing the Lord to address the debt builds strongholds in our life. And then those strongholds is what, that are built in our life are what the sin patterns like rest on. If you're thinking about the house being built again. And so if you don't forgive and repent, Yes, I'm going to say, I'll say it real quick. Yeah, so um, if we don't forgive and repent, then 
the the opposite thing is we uh, like in that place of debt we there are strongholds that are built in our life where we instead of trusting Jesus with the loss of the fact that um you know your father wasn't safe or whatever the the pain in your life is or you had this one loss or pain instead of trusting the lord you might trust fear or anxiety or addiction or lust or all of these things that we as people, we have to turn to something in our pain. We always do. We always will. So we'll turn to these things in our pain, or we learn to turn to Jesus in our pain. Those are really our only two options. And so if we turn over and over again, okay, I'm feeling the, on Mother's Day, I'm feeling the pain of whatever that brings up. I have to do something with that pain. And so you, you grab a bottle or you grab a pill, or you grab the remote, or you grab Cheetos, or whatever. We're going to do something, or we go and we turn to Jesus, and we find him there. And so the op, the, if we go to turn to whatever it is in this world, that builds the stronghold. It's a different kind of house, and it builds a scaffolding or, or the framework that we would call like a spiritual stronghold that is, you don't want. And then on top of that stronghold is where, you, where your sin patterns are can rest and lie. Does that make sense? And so we don't want to tear that house down. I don't want that house anywhere near me. But especially for our babies, you have to understand that they, when, when they're going through something and you're teaching them to acknowledge their pain. So like Evelyn's missing her spring recital because she's going to camp. Okay. She's on the car. It's a Friday after or Thursday after school. And she's crying about that. And I started to go, well, her, her siblings started to go, Evelyn, don't be sad about that. You're going to get to go to camp. And so that's a natural way to respond. And it's not necessarily bad, but I feel like it's a missed opportunity because like it felt sad to her no matter what, no matter how you sliced it, that was a sad thought. And so if we just stayed there for a second, helped her acknowledge, baby, that's sad. Your friends are getting to do it. You're going to dance practice and you're not going to get to do the dance. That's sad. And so let's ask Jesus how he can help serve you in that place or what he, you want to give him that pain and he'll give you something in exchange or whatever, but not like telling her, oh, don't feel sad about that because you're going to get to go to camp. Does that make sense? And so we don't want to just overlook it. We want to give a minute, don't dwell on it forevermore, but then, you know, find Christ in those places and build the right kind of house. Oh, and then this is my last little story about acknowledging the effects of our pain. Um, well, yeah, uh, and I'll go back to that in a second. So this was just a time that I realized I was, another time I realized I was freaking out and I was able to use this tool. And so it was on Easter just a few weeks ago and we had had a long, hard week. My uncle had actually passed away. And so we had been like back and forth, funeral and all these different places. And I was like, feeling still like I hadn't really been able to process the pain of his loss. And there was just a lot going on in my heart and mind on Easter Sunday. And my family was here and we were trying to take a picture out in front of the building in our Easter Sunday church clothes. I mean, that's a, I'm like, we've been married for 16 years. For the rest of my life, I want to take a family picture on Easter Sunday church clothes. Am I alone in that? Raise your hand in a few. Okay, we, we all like that. Okay, so we're all standing out there like, where's Tyler, you know? And we go in and we find him in his office and he had taken his entire suit off, which he wore a suit and he was wearing his clothes for the picnic. And I was like, babe, we're all waiting for you out there to take the family picture. And he was like, oh, I didn't know. You were trying to... And so guess what he did for me, y'all? 
he put his whole suit back on to go check out. Way to go, babe. And so, but I was able to recognize. And so I said, this feels really big to me right now. Like I want to scream, but I'm not going to scream. And I'm recognizing I have a value for historical pictures in our family. That created an expectation that you would not take your suit off before we took the picture. And so now let's go take our picture. So anyway, that's just one more story I didn't want to forget to tell because I thought it was funny. And so, so forgive for whoever hurt us in real ways. Repent for however we have responded in all of those ways of building the bad things in our lives. Renounce whatever needs to get out of there and then receive the love of God. And there's millions of ways he can show us his love. And so... Yep, those are, that's my little, my little teaching on there. Babe, do you have anything to add? You know, um, I, I think the only thing I would just say is that I think she shared at the very beginning, but really the reason why we're sharing this too is because it is such a felt need for us as people, especially if you look back at the last few years and how much, uh, how much isolation, separation, how much maybe trust even eroded just slowly in relationships, right? And, and how much we kind of got out of sync of, hey, there's someone that's a constant go to my life, be it in my life group or a friend or a coworker or family or in discipleship, someone that I go to just say, hey, this is, this is what I'm working through right now. Someone that's trusted that can help kind of process that with you. What we are saying is, listen, we're all about community, but I just want you to know, you don't have to have someone else outside of Jesus, go through this. It's helpful, but you, he's actually equipped you and given, him, and given us his Holy Spirit to walk us through a process of, let's acknowledge something. Lord, what is that pain? Let's recognize it. Let's forgive. Let's go through that journey. You don't have to wait until life group or wait until the next family gathering or wait until someone pokes you about it. Hey, so what's really going on? Is it, well, I'm glad you asked. I'm waiting for someone to ask me that. Does it make sense? Those are excuses, right? And we want to be believers that are empowered to say every day, whether it's pillows on the ground or the child uh, getting angry about, uh, you know, dinner, and now it's built up this bitterness about you cooking meals, and now it's just back to mac and cheese, and fine. You know, I'm just, we can all get there. You can see how you can get there in the little things, right? In the workplace, now you've built up this whatever it is against some coworker or your boss, but maybe let's go back in time and figure out where did that happen? And let's undo that and give that to Jesus and let's move forward. Does that make sense? What we don't want is to walk as believers or say that we have freedom in Christ, but actually we're still chained up to a lot of stuff. Does that make sense? That is what we want to be. We actually want to be free. And that freedom, it is bought and paid for in Christ, but that freedom has to be maintained by us. Does that make sense? Like we have to do maintenance right? I mean, I don't want to change the oil in my truck, but eventually if I don't, it will blow up on me at some point. That's just the way it goes. So we have to have maintenance. And this is simply a tool that is very simple that we can access. Say, hey, this is how I walk with Jesus and finding freedom in the everyday. So we're not uh, 60, 70, 80 years old, Looking back, a lot of regret and bitterness, but actually we've worked it through. Does that make sense? We actually want to be more joyful the older we get, not more curmudgeon, right? And this is the way to do that, so. 
Well, I wanted to end by sharing just a, a personal story from my life, and it has to do with being a mom, and it also is just a little peek inside of me going through this process, especially the the repent, forgiving, repenting, renouncing, and receiving the end part, you know, um, it having to do with we had a few miscarriages in our life and just going through that. And I wanted to read a little bit about it with you so you could just kind of, or share a little bit about it and read something. Um, so you could see how that process looked in my life and how it was hard work that took, like taking my pain to the Lord and receiving his love. It isn't just like this instantaneous moment. It can be if it's a small, a small hardship, you know, but having deep, intense loss in your life, it takes a long time and different for each person to go through that. Oh, and that's one thing that I wanted to say that I forgot to say about loss is, and how it affects you. Kind of like when I was sharing about Evelyn and it feeling sad, us like remembering as our, as kids, like things felt really big as kids that as adults, you're like, oh, that's not a big deal. But it doesn't change the fact that it feels big for the, for the baby, you know? And so like recognizing that and staying there with them and then also not doing that to yourself. Like if you find that like something small, like, I don't know what, like a missed expectation. Somebody forgot your birthday, somebody, whatever, feels like a big deal to you. If, even if you can reason in your mind, like that shouldn't be a big deal. Like if it feels like a big deal, allowing yourself to go through whatever process you need to, to work it through instead of just like kind of shaming yourself about it being a big deal. Does that make sense? And just like be willing to be like, okay, that, that hurts. And Maybe it didn't hurt that person when that same thing happened to them, but it hurt me. And so I'm going to acknowledge that and be kind to myself, you know? Okay, so this process of, we had three, we had three miscarriages and um, our first one was a little bit farther along. And then our second one actually happened at Disney. So I got a positive test and then we got on an airplane not very long after and I had taken blood work and the blood work showed that I had lost the pregnancy and I like got the phone call from my doctor like after we had arrived in Florida. And so she was like, I think that you're far enough along that you should be able to go through your trip before like the event of, of like the loss of the baby. So just go ahead and do your, do your trip. And then I didn't, that didn't happen. I lost the baby like while we were there. And I'll tell you a little bit more about that in a minute. And then our last one was a little, a few, a few years later. And so... I, after those three miscarriages, and well, during the time of the first two, we also had several losses in our church that like deeply affected my life. Um, and Olive and Jake and Benjamin, my friend Lori had um, a heart attack. And we there was many other miscarriages and losses in our midst. It was just a very challenging time for our church. And I carried that extremely deeply. And... Um, it was almost like my heart felt cracked. Like, I, I don't know. It was just a very extremely difficult time for me. And I remember being at the beach and I had a little bit of space and it was in the middle of all of this. And I read this passage from a book and it says, the Lord is with us all the days, but often our eyes are holden that we do not know him. And if for a radiant moment we discern him, he vanishes from our sight. There is an experience in which we do not only believe that he is near, but we perceive his presence by the instinct of the heart. He becomes a living, bright reality, 
sitting over our hearth, walking beside us through the crowded streets, sailing with us across the stormy lake, standing beside the graves that hold our dead, sharing our crosses and our burdens, turning the water of common joys into the wine of holy sacraments. And I remember reading that and like rereading the part where it says, standing beside us, um, standing beside the graves that hold our dead, like over and over again. And just like feeling like the Lord, like there was a breakthrough and I, I could feel him there, you know, especially because if you've experienced the loss of a miscarriage, you don't like get a grave. You like most people do with loss, you know? And so it's a weird type of mourning. And I always had wished for that. And so I was like, he's standing with me there. And I just remember him meeting me so kindly in that place. And it was like the living manifest presence of Jesus. He was healing me, you know? But life went on and I was still felt like I was standing at the grave. Like I couldn't move away. I think the weight of it all, I think there was like an element of depression or hormonal things that were happening inside of me. And I was just struggling big time. And I remember my mom or maybe Debbie, somebody had taken our kids away and Tyler and I were on our own. And uh, we were in our, our house we had not built not long before. And I woke up just in the pain. You know how you can feel like you're in grief or loss or pain, but the, the um, oh no, um, it, you can't always like feel it like you want. Even if you're like, you wish you can cry, what, cry you can't you know and I was like it was one of those times where Tyler and I were supposed to be having a getaway and I woke up will you find that last page for me I woke up and I was like crying before I even was like awake basically oh I think it's here um yeah and um I went and I was like Lord what is going on like I gotta I gotta have a breakthrough you know and um, I felt like he showed me this picture of myself and I was like underneath the water, like this deep water with all of the people that we had lost in our life that were no longer with us that had passed away. And I was like trying to pull them out of the water, like just pull them out. And I felt like the Lord rebuked me in that moment and was like, Ashley, only I can touch life and death. Like I, he holds the keys to life and death. And there was just this repentance in my heart for feeling like I could somehow have changed it. And I think that that's also an element if you've experienced loss of a child or um, a miscarriage, like you can sometimes feel like you could have somehow prevented it. And I was like, I repented. Like I could, I, so I, I said, Lord, I repent, you know, but I still just didn't feel like I knew how to leave that place, you know? And I even felt like I saw in my mind's eye, like all the people that loved me, that loved the people that, that passed away, like the parents of the people that passed away and all that, standing above the water, peering down at me, smiling, like, come out of there. It's not helping anybody for you to be down there, you know? And this has been years since the, the, the loss of, of these these people. And I just was like, I can't, like, I cannot leave this place. Like it felt like it would almost be like not honoring their life that passed away if I left that place, you know? And so Tyler wakes up about this time and he's like, what is going on? Cause I'm just like bawling on the, on the couch in our living room. And I told him, I said, I feel like I, I somehow have to like change this, but I know that I can't and I don't know what to do. And he just shouted at the top of his lungs, like, Lazarus, come out. And I just was like, 
oh, I, I, something broke off of my life in that moment through the power of like the declaration of his words over me. And it really did like break this thing inside of my life that needed to break. And so thankful for his love in that moment. And then I went to our neighbor Lori's house and I shared with her not very long after. And she told me that in heaven, you can breathe under the water. Because I had been, I was like, what do I do? They're all still there. They're all still dead. I can't change that. And anyone could die at any moment. It just really affected me. And she was like, in heaven, you can breathe under the water. And I felt like in that moment, the Lord really did through her prayers, like break the sting of death in my life. And I want to read to you 1 Corinthians 15. It says, I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash and the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable. And we will be changed for the perishable must clothe itself with imperishable and the mortal with immortality. And when the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then we will say what is written with the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God that he gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Amen. And so final part of the story, I know we're a little late, is that I wanted to show you, do you have them uh, up there? Okay, so after, so there's that huge pain. I had had lots of, of opportunities for people just to pray for me as I'm still processing all of it. That was a massive day. I had friends pray over me, this powerful word that not one of my children was missing. And then we got to go back and visit Disney again, where I had lost the baby. And so the first um, picture that we have is that's Ethan and Graham. And there we were. And then um, that the, the next picture is there in the Crystal Palace. So that's actually where I, I lost the baby. And it was just this... So I, I think I was like probably like, you know, in the restroom during that time. It was just this horrible event. Okay. And so then you go back to the next picture and this is in 2020. So I have all of my babies living on earth and I like, we got there and we stopped at the um, front of Main Street and Tyler just, we gathered all together as a group and Tyler laid his hands on us and he prayed over us and he thanked the Lord for the loss of, of the life of the baby that, that went to heaven in that place and um, we sang a little worship song and then it was Christmas at Disney. It was in November, but it, you know, they start Christmas in like October and um, they had these balloons. It was just so beautiful. And they were, they had even a Christmas carol on that was like the first Noel. And I mean, um, there's like a million Christmas songs, but this one had to be about Jesus, you know, being with us and the balloons. It was all just very beautiful. And then you go to the next picture and there's us. Okay. So we were standing right there in that spot. And I looked over to where the Crystal Palace is. So that building that I showed you that we were standing in where I lost the baby. And like, y'all, look what was written. Look at this. Look at the sky. That's above the Crystal Palace, like in real life. 
the name of Jesus was there. Like the first moment that we walked into the, that's the crystal palace, like right underneath there. And his name was literally written in the sky. (laughs) And I just wanted to share that. It's a miracle, you know, but he loves us. He cares about the loss of our life, about our heart, about our children. And so I want to stand, y'all stand with me. And I feel like this morning, band can come up. I feel like what the Lord wants to do in our hearts is he wants to like shout at some of us, like Lazarus, come out, you know, places that we need to come out. And then I feel like he also wants to paint his name in the sky for you and show you that he'll never, ever, ever leave you or forsake you. And so you want to pray? Yeah. So Jesus, we do come before you this morning and we acknowledge your power. We acknowledge the sacrifice that you made on the cross that the pain and the death that you endured, you endured it on our behalf. You took our place on the cross and you suffered and you died, but that the blood was shed and that you were buried in the tomb. You were buried, but you didn't stay there long. You were resurrected back to life and that even in your resurrection power now that we get to walk in, that is Uh, a a, a result of that is that we now have the life of Jesus. We are now able to be set free. We do not have to um, uh, be enslaved to sin or enslaved to fear or to death or darkness or anxiety, but there's freedom, that there is light. And so, Lord, we just pray right now. Lord, I ask for everybody in the room right now, Lord, everyone that needs to see Jesus written in the sky, just right now as a reminder of your power, that you see them in their place of pain. Lord, we just pray right now that we would look to you, not look to anything else, not to look to anything else to numb it or to fill it in the moment or to stuff it, but we would look upwards to the sky and we say, there's his name. There is no other name. There's no other name that brings the kind of power and healing and freedom and salvation and cleansing and wholeness. It is Jesus Christ alone. So, Lord, we just declare your name today. We declare your name, Lord. And I do pray for anyone in the room that feels like they are in a deep, dark hole. Maybe it's not physically, but mentally, emotionally, in their inner world, that they feel like they are trapped. They are stuck behind bars in a hole, in a cave, that there's minimal light or no light. And, Lord, we just say in Jesus' name, let the light burst forth. Come out in Jesus' name. Come out. Step into the light. Step into the light this morning, we pray. Whatever you're going through, if there's depression, we just pray right now that the depression would go and you would step into the light. You would reach out and that Jesus would literally pull you out of the grave. He'd pull you out of the hole. He would pull you out from the prison from the prison bars and say, come out. Take a fresh breath of air. You do not have to hide from me. Expose yourself to me. I will heal you. I will touch the pain. I will deal with it. I will will embrace you. I will love you. I died on the cross for you, not just for the little, but also for the big. So Lord, we declare that this morning. Every every place of pain and wounding and hurt, hurt, we say there's freedom in Jesus' name. There's freedom in the blood of Christ. And we want to live a resurrected life, a powerful life that is saying, look to you, Jesus. 
No matter what life throws at us, we can deal with it with you. We pray in Jesus' name. Set us free this morning. Be the light that shines bright into our houses, into our lives, into our homes. In Jesus' name, let's worship him.